0: Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and it is great to be with you today. If you're new to the show, we're in a series right now talking about America's derailed and dysfunctional educational system. As many of you know, I spent 20 years teaching The Next Generation, and I saw over time that something just was not right. From ineffective methodology to smart students becoming passive and disinterested, I really began to see this dark underbelly of a disconnected and dysfunctional system. Once I got to grad school and I started experiencing the differences between effective and ineffective educational methodologies, I started comparing this traditional system of education to the fruit I saw as a homeschooling parent. Now, as a college professor, I saw the extraordinary dropout rates, the crippling debt, the lack of connection to the real world I knew there had to be a better way to educate the next generation. And these are some of the reasons that led me to start Chula Vista Christian University, our mentor-driven, debt-free, Bible-based method of higher education, where students are a name, not a number, where academic rigor meets authentic relationship. And of course, as you know, this was also the impetus for Awaken Academy, When your amazingly visionary lead pastor asks, what can we do practically as a church to help parents right now, you step up and start a homeschool academy in your church, right? Learn more about both of these amazing entities at awakenacademysd.com and cvcu.us, that's Chula Vista Christian University. In this series, we're talking about 10 toxic traits of traditional education. Now, I've been talking about these for over a decade, and listen, none of them have changed in government schools for over that decade or over the last five decades, BTW, but there are some new ones now, some new seeds that have sprouted up in the soil of America's education system, and what makes them most dangerous is that today, the, the environmental culture is different. The sociological culture is different. These seeds are watered by the fake tears shed by celebrities who pretend to care about the hearts and minds of the next generation. They're magnified by media, both in songs and in shows. And they're so insidious that they've even wound their way into the American church. In fact, last year, we saw the literal outpouring of CRT direct from the school classrooms into the church pulpit across America. In our county, San Diego County, our church was one of the only ones to stand up and speak out against this divisive rhetoric. And you heard my radio interview a few weeks ago with Kevin McGarry on critical race theory, the powerful work he's doing to unmask this dangerous and divisive agenda. As I've quoted before on the topic, broad is the road that leads to destruction. But you know when Moses stood up before the pharaoh who'd enslaved his people and he uttered the famous cry, let my people go. You know a lot of parents in California have been rallying around this cry to to the government schools. They've been saying stop enslaving our people, stop teaching this hypersexual curricula, stop masking our children, stop dumbing us down. Let my people go. And it's fine. Yes, let my people go and stop all this nonsense. I'm not saying we shouldn't care. But the truth is, my friends, that we are already free. We're not forced by law to endure the prison sentence of government schooling. We don't have to put our children on the big yellow prison bus and send them off to be incarcerated and indoctrinated eight hours a day. And the government has no jurisdiction over private schools in California, which includes homeschooling. So we do not have to bow our knee to the secular content or the ineffective methodology. We are already free. Freedom is a mindset. A few episodes back, we defined mindset as a cognitive bias, a systematic matter of thinking that influences our decisions, our actions. We talked about Dr. Dweck's two mindset delineations, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. mindset. She says that people who focus on innate abilities or fixed traits are often reluctant to take on challenges. They get stuck. Sound familiar? On the other hand, people with growth mindsets are more likely to take on challenges and less likely to get stuck in a limiting behavior. Which one do we want to model and which ones do we want our children to imitate and pick up? Understanding the foundations of our mindsets can move us beyond those limitations that naturally rise from our belief to behavior patterns. And our mindsets are formed through really an ongoing focus on something that we place value on, something that we think is important, where our treasure is, our hearts will be also, and where our mindsets will be also, right? And out of that, then will flow our actions. That's the belief to behavior pattern. But our mindsets are powerfully impacted by social factors, the impact of the social system on the individual. And once we recognize this, we become better equipped to evaluate the influence of those social systems and our children's social systems and the collective spiritual, psychological, sociological impact on their lives, on the family, on the culture in general. We learn, as Proverbs 13.20 says, to walk with the wise so we will, in fact, grow wise. You know, I think as a nation, we have wasted an extraordinary amount of time, resources, and energy in the public sector trying to fix a broken system. John Taylor Gatto says, over the years of wrestling with the obstacles that stand between child and education, I have come to believe that government monopoly schools are structurally unreformable. They cannot function if their central myths are exposed and abandoned. A great question would be, how can we rescue parents? who want out of government indoctrination centers, but feel trapped. Instead of spending our energy on trying to fix something that's broken, how about we try to innovate? How about we ask questions like, what responsibility can the local church take to sponsor parents who believe they're unable to homeschool? How can we support them, come alongside them, make what seems impossible possible for them? What can we do individually and corporately to help free the captives? We talked a little bit last week about some of the ridiculous topics and theories being promulgated in California's public schools right now, like I talked about earlier, critical race theory, rewriting of history, control, not over just actions, but over thought and emotion. (laughs) We're not making this stuff up. The rights of the child versus the teacher versus the state over the parent, things like anti-American sentiment. It was anti-everything we talked about a couple of weeks ago. used to be anti-female, then anti-male, now just anti-everybody, except protected classes, right? Uh, Freedom, uh, the defense of freedom, fake history, pseudoscience, and of course, dumbing us down, which we'll talk a little bit more about today. And you know, that doesn't even begin to address the highly ineffective methodology that has students trained in the sycophantic obedience to the approval, the likes, the dislikes of someone whose opinion doesn't even matter in the long run. It's a broken system. And as I said a few episodes back, Christian schools are not much better. Many of them have copied the methodologies and ideologies of the secular system. They walk like a public school. They talk like a public school. They think like a public school. They're like a secular textbook with an I Heart Jesus bumper sticker slapped on the front cover. And why? Because most of the teachers went to secular schools and they're simply parroting the information they gained in their humanistic classrooms. You know, one of my professors actually became an atheist while taking a philosophy class in his Christian high school. Let that sink in for a moment. Praying with kids before subjecting them to feminist ideology or worm-dispensing methodology does not sanctify the classroom. It does not create a sense of wonder and gratitude to emotions that should fuel the experience of learning. Many of the toxic traits in government schools are overt, obvious, we see their fruit right away, but some of the other ideologies have infiltrated slowly many episodes ago we talked about the concept of classical conditioning of being trained through repeated exposure and one of the most insidious training grounds that i see right now in government schools using this methodology to slowly and subtly train a generation i see it working with students because i literally see the fruit in their thought processes in their sense of self and their motivation we're going to talk about that one in just a minute i talked last week about john taylor gatto the former new york State Teacher of the Year who offers insight into some of the most profound and insidious ideological infiltrations I've ever read about education. He talks about training students to crave the approval of authority so they'll work obediently and never question the why of what they're spending their 40 to 50 hours a week doing. Wow. He talks about training students to think less of their classmates so they begin to think the human race in general is subpar and needs government intervention. We talked about the Caesar's Bread and Circus. Uh, The goal, he said, was to keep Americans from being, listen, innovative, creative problem solvers or entrepreneurs and out-of-the-box thinkers so that what? They would do what they were told without question. Come on. And check out his work in the book Dumbing Us Down, literally one of the best books I've ever read. And those of you that have been in my house, you know I've read a lot of books. (laughs) His composite podcast that culls down 900 pages of research into a one-hour podcast, An Angry History of Modern Education. I know I've mentioned that one before as well. There are even programs that are being developed right now. And parents send me programs all the time to review, which is totally fine. Um, and they 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 have these Kind of foundations that look good, but when we look at them beneath the surface, there's this odd lack, this disconnect that concerns me as an expert in human development and Gen Z learning methodology. There's this upswing everywhere of programs and companies that profess to acknowledge the problem facing America's education system. Oh, and there's a problem, but they don't. They, they fail to recognize the developmental science that's needed to the solution. They choose these easy way out approaches that ignore everything we've learned from great thinkers like Lev Vygotsky, Yuri Bronfenbrenner, regarding these needs like scaffolding, mentorship in the developmental process. I know I talked about Bronfenbrenner a couple of weeks ago, but when we look at you know what's happening in American education, we need a depth of rebuilding here that's only accessible through discernment. A systems approach that is not just a myopic one angle approach. I mean, it needs to be a systems approach. And most modern programs just don't have that true spirit of wisdom driving them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point of wisdom, right? So they can't create a product that perfectly identifies root and fruit. But parents send me these programs to review, and some of them, they've done great research in the marketplace, like I have. My last book, *Multi Generational Marketplace, outlines the challenges that employers of the youngest generations face in workplace belief and behavior, and You know, many of these founders, they have researched the failed scholastic perspective, which is good. It is failing in the traditional system, but they lack the modern student perspective. What Gen Z have you talked to that loves online school? Name five, because I've worked with thousands who say they hate it. (laughs) Why? Because we were wired for interaction, for scaffolding, for mentorship. One of my students was part of this, quote, innovative education program, and she described the experience as hideous. She said it was a massive room of students all sitting in their own little disconnected bubbles of rote learning on material that has no bearing whatsoever on the real world. Listen, this is the opposite modality of classical education, that rich centuries-old format that actually inspires meaning and gives context to a liberal arts education. Sir Francis Bacon once said, reading makes a full man, speaking makes a ready man, and writing makes an exact man. In other words, we expand our imagination, our innovation, our connection to the world by reading. We hone our skills of preparedness and excellence through the time tested processes of speaking and writing. And none of these vital skills are truly measured or measurable in the myopic approach of traditional educational methodology. The brokenness of the modern education is exemplified in many ways. One of those is its practices. Take the school hours of the day, for an example. Students do not need to be in class for seven hours a day. It's a total and complete waste of time and energy for students, but these unnecessary hours are what gives teachers a full-time job. Now, we know from developmental science that students shouldn't start school before nine o'clock. All the science shows their scores, their emotional health, everything improves when they start after nine. But teachers want to start their day early and end early. Their developmental clocks are set to a different rhythm. It's not a student-centric model. It's an adult-centric model. And educators in these systems keep thinking from this myopic, generationally-centric mindset that caters to adults and discounts the needs and experiences of Gen Zs and Alphas. If we want innovation, we've got to approach the solution from a systems perspective. Habits of the heart and the mind are going to leak into habits of the soul, the spirit, the body. We need to think about a healthy approach to educating the young that is attuned to the needs of how this generation learns best. This is a classical approach to education where Coaches ask open-ended questions that produce critical thinking skills. It's not a one-size-fits-none approach that measures knowledge through multiple guess assessments. Friends, that is a, a method of the past. It's ineffective. Think back again to Sir Francis Bacon's quote, reading makes a full man, speaking makes a ready man, writing makes an exact man. None of the vital skills of imagination, innovation, preparedness, or excellence are truly measured in that myopic online, non-systems approach of traditional education. The biblical worldview, which we've said many times before on the show, more often than not, stands in contrast to the cultural worldview. Zephaniah 2.3 says, seek the Lord, you humble of the land who do his just commandments. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Look at those constructs, the three things in that verse, and tell me if you have seen those being developed in the public school system. Uh, the three main constructs are totally unpopular. I mean, outside of the military, obedience and obedience and child rearing. But the one that contrasts most directly with American thought and education is humility. This word humility means meekness modesty, and it is definitely not a concept we hear promoted in the public school system. In fact, self-esteem has been the modeled concept instead, which places full confidence in the flesh, something the Bible clearly warns us not to do. And listen, it has not ended well for the self-esteem movement. Social science research shows that the self-esteem movement actually bred little more than narcissism and promiscuity. That's right, it backfired. Proverbs says that a man is actually tested by the praise he receives. You know, does that praise puff us up or does it foster a spirit of gratitude for everything God has done? I love what Dr. Henry Morris, founder of ICR, says about meekness. He says, a meek spirit enables a Christian to maintain composure in the face of opposition, to accept adversity without complaint, promotion without arrogance, demotion without resentment. And the more we know the Bible, the more we teach our children the Bible, the more we can recognize those counterfeit rules and norms of the culture and break free of some of that toxic teaching of traditional education. I've talked about Iew founder Andrew Podois coming out to visit us at Awaken Academy and I was thinking today about a session that he uh, that he taught for our families and he talked about how many parents coming out of the public schools are literally afraid to help their children succeed. It's just one of more of those toxic teachings that the public system has has impressed on the hearts of parents. He says that they're afraid you know, not to mention that over Pressure of the expert that makes parents feel incapable of teaching their children anything, but they're afraid to help their children succeed. It's this total lie. Remember, we talked about the keys to intrinsic learning that. Those two essential elements, efficacy and curiosity. If we don't have those built in, then students don't learn to love learning. They learn to hate learning, to feel incapable. It does not ignite the fire of intrinsic learning. It just makes us keep having to motivate them externally, which is not the goal of self-government, right? If we make the work too hard, we don't ever give our children, especially young children, the ability to succeed. They will not develop a sense of intrinsic motivation. And just like we saw with the fear approach in last week's episode, the enemy's tactics are totally predictable across nations, across timetables, across geographic locations. Psalm 83 says of the enemy, they say come let us wipe them out as a nation, let the name of Israel be remembered no more, for they conspire with one accord against you, they make covenant. The attempts we see in the public system of removing, reconstructing, redefining history, these are obvious today. They're overt toppling statues, renaming buildings, banning books, the United States has become a veritable Fahrenheit 451. We see it across the country. The lessons of history are vital for the survival of our future and our faith. So as parents, we have to remember, we have to tell our children the stories of history, read missionary biographies and classical literature together, make your house a house of reading and a house of prayer. As the enemy conspires with one accord making covenant against our God, we must rise up with one voice to declare the truth to all generations. Remember, this education crisis didn't just take over American minds and souls overnight. It was a gradual decline of values and truth and integrity that have brought us to where we stand today at a national crossroads. As Neil Postman always said, it's up to those of us who see the older, clearer waters to speak up the training is our responsibility. Now we can delegate it to someone we trust, of course, but just like an organizational leader takes responsibility for what's happening in the company, we have to take responsibility for what's happening in our families. Genesis eighteen nineteen is the first mention in scripture of training of children, quote, that he will command his children and his household after them and after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. It's significant that this first reference stresses paternal instruction in the ways of God. Deuteronomy 6 tells us that this training should be ongoing, regular, a daily event that can't be replicated by emotionally or physically absent fathers. God has delegated the training of children and the households to the father, to the family. Fathers go first. And what's going to be the result of that? Isaiah 54, 13 says, all your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Can you imagine a generation that's filled with peace instead of anxiety? If you're a dad listening to the show today, why not take some time to read and talk and pray over your kids today? I was just talking with a dad last night who just asked me a church how do I do that? I mean, what is the first step? You know, open a, open the book of Proverbs and read a chapter together and discuss it. You don't have to overcomplicate it. You know, start somewhere. But let's not wait so long that, you know, our children are grown up before we've really invested fully into them and discipled them. If you as a parent feel like you've displaced the proper affection and attachment in your family which will ultimately rob you of your ability to influence the next generation, it is time to take back the reins. The next generation needs active, engaged mothers and fathers to lead them to greatness. The future is family. One of the most beautiful aspects of the parent-directed education movement, something we're seeing across the county of San Diego, is Luke 117. This model of the restoring of hearts between parents and children As Corey DiMatteo shared a few weeks ago on her interview, parents are beginning to feel this relational shift and this thawing of their hearts, which they didn't even know were frozen. God is turning hearts of stone into hearts of clay. If you're homeschooling for the first time, be sure to scroll back through the episodes of the Communication Architect podcast, and be sure to check out what we're accomplishing in our partnerships with parents and the local church right here in San Diego. Visit us at awakenacademysd.com and cvcu.us. And if you're a pastor in San Diego County, please DM me for help on getting your church active in the homeschool support realm. Parents, it's time for us to wake up to rise up, to speak up, to step up. It is our responsibility as believers to make the needed sacrifices right now to rescue the next generation from the indoctrination of the public system. Instead of being trapped in a mindset of captivity, beholden to the big yellow prison bus, let's charge up the chariots and join Moses in the anthem of freedom, Let My People Go. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode, or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at DrLisaDunn or via email to contacts at DrLisaDunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E dot com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.